How many of you are making any New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody? Uh, nobody? I kind of think that's a kind of a thing we let go, and we might not even admit to it, but some of us are still making those New Year's resolutions. And these are the kind of resolutions we make sometimes. Hey, I'm going to uh, make a resolution that I'm going to help my friends gain about 15 or 20 pounds so I look skinnier, right? I mean, that's the kind of uh, resolutions we make. I was going to make a re resolution to uh, uh, quit all my bad habits, but then I remembered nobody likes a quitter. I mean, what do you, what do you say? <laughs> but seriously, I usually have to wait until Cheryl sets her New Year's resolutions uh, to exercise more, to eat better, because her resolutions end up being my resolutions. Some of you guys kind of understand that, you married couples. But anyway, think about where we're at. We're at the end of a year, and it's like we're staring at a blank page in a journal. And we have all sorts of opportunities for a fresh start. And I think that's the basic bottom line meaning of making New Year's resolutions. Can anyone guess what the number one New Year's resolution is? 71% of people make this resolution. Diet or to eat healthy. Second in line is uh, to exercise more. We all know them. I'm not sure. Anyway, we all know them. Some people say uh, they want to learn a new skill or hobby. Or if you're like me, I'm saying I want to read more, which I've already taken care of. We've added subtitles to our Netflix shows. I'm reading a whole lot more. Well, dropping pounds may be great for your physical health, but I believe some of us, as we head into this new year, maybe could drop a little, I'll call it dead weight, before we're going into this next year. What's considered dead weight? I'll just make it simple. It's anything that you've got in your life that's not helping you, uh, even spiritually weighing you down. It could be a sin that you can't shake or aren't shaking. It could be feelings of bitterness that you have against someone. It could be a feeling of resentment towards some person. And this is kind of the resolution I'm going to kind of zone in on today. But the definition of the word resolution, before we go too far, is simple. It's the action of solving a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. The action of solving a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. It's actually meaning get rid of that thing once and for all which reminds me of something that I heard about. I don't know if you've ever heard about Good Riddance Day, and maybe you haven't unless you live in New York City, because Good Riddance Day is kind of an unofficial holiday that uh, has been going on in New York City, Times Square, since 2007. Organizers encourage people to write down all of their grievances on a piece of paper, then all gather at Times Square and throw them into a giant shredder symbolizing actually letting go of bad memories, bad experiences, foolish mistakes, bad choices, dumb choices, long-held grudges that have been maybe gunking up your life for the past year or so. So what I'm saying is every year hundreds of people come out to bid farewell to bad memories from the last or for the last 12 months and get a fresh start. You know, when I hear that, I think, wow, that sounds like a pretty good idea even if it does come from New York City, amen? It's kind of weird, I know, but there is something really great about the old saying, out with the old, in with the new. And I was thinking about that whole concept. How great would it be if we could actually really do that? Let go of some of those old past hurts and grievances and wounds and not carry those into this brand new year of opportunity that we have. I want to introduce you today to a scripture that I, I pray that we'll cling to as we begin this new year. It's actually a commitment that I pray that we'll all take into this new year. 
But Paul sets it up in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. It says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The key part of that verse that I want to focus on today is forgetting what is behind. Let it go. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. You may not know Paul's story, but Paul had very good reason to want to forget what was behind. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, Paul, before he became Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of this earth, the greatest follower of Christ, disciple of Christ, that wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, before he became Paul, his name was Saul, and he was continually against all Christians. Then there's this amazing man by the name of Stephen. The Bible describes him as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a powerful speaker. He confronted the Jewish leaders and exposed their evil motives and ways, which they didn't like at all. They didn't like being hit with the truth. And sad to say, our world today really doesn't like being hit with the truth. That's why so many people... Uh, really don't really want to hear the truth or seek the truth. We just want to go kind of follow our own views, our own thoughts, our own ways. But look what it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 57. It says, Then they, meaning the Jewish leaders, put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him, or rushed at Stephen, and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. This Saul is the guy who later has his name changed to Paul. They actually there, lay their coats at the, uh, well, Saul's carrying part of them and probably some at his feet. But they're laying their coats around Saul as they are pummeling Stephen with rocks to stone him to death. Listen to Stephen's response, verse 59. It says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He, he meaning Stephen, fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. What's he saying? He's saying, forgive them, Lord. And with that, he died. You know, when I hear that uh, text, I can't help but go to the cross. When I hear that text, I can't, help of think, I can't help but think what Jesus said while he was hanging, dying on the cross. Remember what he said? Father, forgive them, for they do, know not, they do not know what they are doing. So Paul Definitely had reasons to put the past in the past and to press forward into what God wanted for his life. But think of Stephen's last words. Forgive them. I believe if we are going to go into this new year the way God wants us to go into this new year, I believe we've got some forgiving to do. I believe we, got, we have some things that we need to leave in the past. And I believe with all of my heart, we have some things that we need to, instead of looking back, we need to move forward from. Amen? So let me talk about forgiveness. C.S. Lewis, a great man of God, once said this. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Then it becomes difficult. How many have found that to be true? Amen to that. It's easy to say we can forgive until you have to forgive. Think about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't pardon the offense, doesn't excuse it or ignore it. Forgiveness doesn't mean excusing an evil. And forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean the reconciliation of a relationship. You can forgive someone, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to jump back 
into that toxic, bad relationship or situation. But let me give you the Greek word for forgiveness. It literally means to release. So what's that say to you and I? It means forgiveness is our choice. It's a decision. It's a choice to release a person from an obligation of something that they may have wounded you with or hurt or come against you with. That goes against our fleshly nature. Do you realize that? Our fleshly nature, the way that we were born, doesn't really want to forgive others. It wants to hold on to those grievances. But I think of our Bible as actually a life manual, personal life manual. And in it, time after time, Jesus himself stresses that we have to learn to forgive. When he says we have to learn to forgive, that means to me that it's not automatic. It's something that we have to learn. And I'd say until we do, we can't move forward the way God wants us to move forward. Do you realize that as long as we're living in the past, you're chained to the past? Think about that. As long as we are living with the memory of those old hurts, those old wounds in the past, we are chained to the past. And actually, people hurt us twice. They hurt us the first time, if we don't let go of it, uh, when they commit whatever they committed against us. They hurt us. But they hurt us twice when we refuse to let it go and when we just continually hang on to it. So in this new year, I pray that we'll all make a decision to leave what's behind us and walk forward in the freedom that forgiveness, according to God's plan, can provide. So here I want to give you some points to consider about forgiveness. If you're taking notes, the first one is, when you forgive, God forgives. When you make a choice to forgive, God makes a choice to forgive. I'll take that a little further. When you make a choice to forgive, God's already made the choice to forgive. But why is it that we have such a struggle in our hearts as human beings to forgive someone that's hurt us or wounded us? I think it's because we look at the whole thing as a bill that hasn't been paid against us. And we're insisting that it be paid. And it just frustrates us because sometimes years and years go by and the offender hasn't or won't forgive or pay the bill. But let me tell you, God's economy is different than our economy. He turns this whole thought upside down and he says something that we really don't want to hear. But let me start in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He, meaning God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, so far we're tracking. We like that part, right? But here's the catch. If you look over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So far we like that. Here's the part we push back on. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If we refuse to forgive someone, God has the right to refuse to forgive us. I don't know about you, but about this time, I'm saying ouch in my mind. Amen? Because forgiveness is definitely something that God is willing to give, that God actually wants to give. But forgiveness is also something that He has called you and I as followers of Christ to give also. And I know it's hard because some of the wounds go really deep. They're real. Uh, they're painful. But a lot of times when we read these texts, we kind of approach it like, well, well, God, you really don't know what that person did to me. You don't really know the depths of that betrayal. You don't know the depths of that wound. You don't know how they tried to destroy my life. 
Let me just say this. Forgiveness is not an optional part of the Christian life. You realize that? Forgiveness is not an optional part of the Christian life. It's not like walking down a buffet line, a smorgasbord, and picking out what you want. I'll have a little bit of that. Wow, that looks great. I'll have that. I'm going to give a hard pass on that. Pick and choose. It's not about that. Forgiveness is a, an absolute necessary part of what it means to be a Christian. Forgiveness is an absolute part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says this, follow God's example. Whose example? Follow God's example. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ has loved us. Think about what he's saying there. It all boils down to this. If we're going to follow Jesus, I mean really follow Jesus, we're going to have to be like Jesus, we're going to have to do like Jesus, and we're going to have to forgive. There's no other choice this morning. We have to forgive as God has forgiven us freely, completely, graciously, and totally. And guess what? The miracle that we have received of forgiveness is a miracle that God insists we pass on to others. Amen? It isn't just for us, it's for others. I heard a story about how in 1993, a woman by the name of Mary lost her only son when a man by the name of O'Shea Israel shot him during an argument at a party. Her initial reaction was that she wanted justice. She wanted him to pay for the crime, which he did. After seven, serving 17 years of a 25-and-a-half-year sentence, he was released from prison and returned back to his old neighborhood. Guess where he moved? Right next door to Mary. And it wasn't by an accident. It was actually by a remarkable act of mercy and grace on Mary's part because a few years before his release, Mary had this overwhelming conviction that she had to forgive the man that killed her only son. So she set out to do that very thing. She set up a series of meetings with the warden, with the prison, with the prisoner. She not only came to the place where she was able to forgive him, but she was able to help him in his departure from prison. Mary gives God all the glory for her ability to forgive such a tragedy. I love what she says. She says, unforgiveness is like a cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about the other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. He murdered my son. But the forgiveness is for me. That forgiveness is for me. You realize forgiveness brings healing? When I hear a story like that, a tragic story like that in so many ways, I'm instantly convicted of so many petty grievances that we have, so many little hurts and wounds that we hold on to, and we hold on to them so long that the longer we hold on to them, the more they fester, the more they get infected, and the worse they get. The longer we hold on to that uh, hurt, that wound, that grudge, the worse it gets. So I'm saying we can't afford to hold on to those hurts and grudges. My second point, if you're taking notes, forgive even when they don't. Forgive even when they don't. You might be surprised how many times I have heard people say, Pastor, should we wait until the offender repents before I forgive them? My answer would be, well, what did Jesus do? Jesus, while hanging, dying, brutally beaten upon a cross, said those words I just mentioned, Father, forgive them, they do know not what... They do not know what they are doing. Do you realize these people hadn't even asked for forgiveness that were crucifying Christ, yet he was offering it to them? He was extending it to them? 
He offered it to them. It was still up to them whether they accepted it or not. Do you realize we live in a fallen world? Have you figured that out yet? Do you realize that every day you and I are going to face some hurts in this life? Many times, maybe many times a day, we're going to face hurts in this life from people that say things against us, do things against us. Still doesn't get us off the hook. In a lot of ways, I kind of wish it does, but it doesn't get us off the hook. We are to forgive others because God forgave us. If no other reason, we are to forgive others because we have been forgiven. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's a pretty powerful statement. So why does God ask us to forgive? I think there's a lot of reasons God would ask us to forgive. But I think one at the very top, uh, why God asks us to forgive people of things we think are unforgivable or unfair is simply because God loves us so much. Because of God's love. He loves us. He really doesn't ask us to forgive others to actually heal them so much as we are to he forgive others so that we can receive that healing in our life from those old wounds that we've been holding on to. In other words, forgiving someone who has lied about you, betrayed you, cheated on you, doesn't necessarily set them free. But if you'll make a solid choice to forgive, I guarantee you it'll set you free. It will absolutely set you free. It's a supernatural principle of God because He loves you so much. Because he wants to set you free from what will happen if you choose to hold on to that grudge. Choose to hold on to that hurt and not let it go. In the lower part of South Carolina, there's this very poisonous snake. It's called a coral snake. Its venom is very potent, very deadly. However, many people that live in that area of the state that have been bitten by that snake haven't died from that snake bite because they know a secret. While the venom is deadly, it's poisonous. The coral snake has no fangs. They're not like a rattlesnake that can bite and inject that venom into your system. Instead it, instead, it has to bite you, and it has to hold on, and it has to start scissoring its jaws until it breaks through the skin to inject the poison. So if the would-be victim is knowledgeable, all they have to do is simply shake off the snake. Shake off the snake, don't let it hang on. Get rid of it as quick and immediately as possible. Bitterness and uh, unforgiveness follow the same principle. You need to get rid of it as quick as possible because it's only destroying you, the one that's harboring it, the one that's letting it hang on. You realize our enemy, his greatest thrill is for us to get stuck. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about emotionally. And when we harbor in unforgiveness toward others, guess what we're doing? We're getting stuck in place. And you definitely can't go where God wants you to go. So even if they aren't willing to reconcile, guess what we have to do? We have to be obedient to our God. We have to make the choice and the decision to forgive them, genuinely forgive them from our heart. Then what do we do? According to what I said, release it. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Let it go and release it. You realize that's what God expects from all of us as followers of Christ. Point number three, if you're taking notes, to forgive, you begin to let go of the desire for vengeance or revenge, which is a natural part of our human side. Amen? I heard a story about this guy who uh, worked as an umpire for a summer rec league. His name was Dave. 
And the previous winter, he had been out driving, and he got a ticket from a police officer for driving too fast on uh, the snow. Well, the guy tried to talk himself out of the ticket, but the police officer refused to hear any of it. And he said, well, Dave, if you don't like the ticket, you can take it to the court. Well, the next summer, in the first game of the summer rec league, Dave was umping, and guess who was the first batter up to the plate? The police officer that gave him the ticket. The officer and Dave recognized each other as the officer stepped into the batter's box, and the officer, making small talk, said, well, Dave, how'd that whole ticket thing go? Well, Dave looked at him pretty seriously and said, uh, let's just say you better be swinging at everything, amen? <laughs> He's calling everything a strike. Sweet revenge, you might say. Our human side wants sweet revenge. But seriously, some hurts are far more serious than others. And when we're hurt and wounded so deeply, a lot of times our response is to want revenge. We want to get back at that person for what they've done to us. But do you realize what forgiveness means? Forgiveness means giving that right up. Forgiveness means giving that up and realizing that, hey, wait a minute, God's the judge, not me. He's the one that's supposed to take care of this, not me. You know, it doesn't mean that we're out there try, should try to get even because how many have found that never works? It really doesn't. But God does require one thing of us, several things, but I want to point out one thing is prayer. We're to pray for those people that have hurt us. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. He said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your neighbors and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Without a doubt, Jesus is telling us and saying He expects us to pray for our enemies. And I'm not saying you pray that they go bald or they have a flaming case of hemorrhoids because I know how some of you pray. I'm saying you pray that God would soften their hearts. We need to pray that God would soften their hearts and give them a revelation of who Jesus is and what He expects from our life. And pray that they would grow in faith. And also, it never hurts to pray, God, help me to love that person that's unlovable right now. Help me to forgive that person that seems unforgivable right now. Praying for our enemies is not a natural response to someone that has beat up on us. Praying for our enemies isn't the first thing we want to do. It's the last thing we want to do. With that said, we've got to keep in mind. Think about what Jesus has done for us. We were actually considered once enemies of God before we accepted Christ and His sacrifice on the cross, but He forgave us. He adopted us to be His children. So let me tell you, it takes faith to forgive. Make no bones about it. It's not easy. It takes faith and a lot of faith to forgive. It's actually choosing to make up your mind to say that that thing that you did against me is no longer going to hold me a prisoner to my anger, to my frustration, to my bitterness and my resentment. What you said isn't going to tear me down. It's not going to ruin my future. It's not going to pollute my heart or poison my soul. Yeah, what you said was wrong. What you did was wrong. What you did was unfair. But I'm going to determine in my heart right now, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it behind me and I'm going to press forward. And with God's help, I'm going to strive to press forward until I can let this go. It's a process. You may say you let it go, but it's still a process. It's a daily process of continually, over and over, letting it go. I'm going to put this behind me until I can go forward and allow God's grace to genuinely work 
in my heart. Do you realize how powerful God's grace really is? God's grace is the presence of God working in your life. And there's no uh, wound so deep that the grace of God can't be the balm of Gilead, can't be the ointment that soothes that wound. doesn't just soothe it, it will heal it if you'll make the choice to let it heal you and let God work in your heart. The whole thing is, if we'll let God's grace take root in our hearts, you realize we'll be able, not ourselves able, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, to forgive those that have hurt us. Because forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of spiritual hard work. It's going to take a lot of time. But I guarantee you, if you'll determine today that you are going to forgive, you're going to let go of what's behind and you're going to press on. And he says strain for a reason because it's not easy. You have to strain forward to what God wants for your life. But it starts with a choice. I want to close with this little story. It's about a famous race between a man by the name of John Landy and Roger Bannister during the 1954 British Games in Vancouver. This was a race known as the Miracle Mile. It was known for that because for the first time in uh, this race's history, it featured two runners who had run the mile in under four minutes. Landy held the world record, and he was actually winning this race when he made one critical mistake. He looked back over his shoulder to see where Bannister was. As he looked over his shoulder on the left, Bannister passed him on the right and beat him by 0.8 seconds. Landy would have won that race had he not looked back. In this new year to come, my prayer is that we won't get hung up on things of yesterday. That we won't get hurt up on the hurts and the hang-ups and the pains and the habits and all the suffering of yesterday. We won't look back, but we'll look ahead. Let me go back to what Apostle Paul said, Philippians 3.13. Forgetting what is behind. That's a choice. Your mind is going to constantly bring it up and barrage you with uh, trying to get even again. No, forgetting, making a choice to forgive what's behind and straining toward. Make the effort. What is ahead? He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that God has heavenly prizes for you and me that we can't even imagine? And when I say heavenly prizes, I'm not just talking about getting when we get to the sweet by and by. I'm talking about heavenly prizes and things that He wants us to be about, our Father's business, right here, right now. But you're never going to become all that God wants you to be in this new year if you don't make a decision to let it go, to bury that old thing in the past and turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction and walk in a new direction. So as I prepared for this message, it just stood out to me, we need two things. Most of all, we need softer hearts. Amen? We need softer hearts, and we need more courage. And I know it's not easy because the, the wounds are real. They're deep. Softer hearts and more courage because people have attacked us. They've assaulted us. They've beaten us. They've beat us down. They've humiliated us. They, they've gossiped about us. And sometimes in response, what do we do? We harden our hearts. And I know it's because we don't want to suffer more pain. That's kind of a natural response. But we harden our hearts. But guess what a hard heart does? It keeps us from hearing the gentle, guiding, directing voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you've got a hard heart, 
Sometimes, oh, God could, but He doesn't penetrate that hard heart. He's waiting for us to give it up. We need softer hearts to hear His voice, and we need courage. Do you realize it's going to take some courage to forgive? And only the strong are going to have the real courage they need to let go of the past and move forward. My prayer today is that we will all let God soften our hearts. We'll let God give us the courage to do the absolute hardest thing, is to let go of that anger, let go of that bitterness, let go of that frustration, that resentment. Stop keeping score. God wants us to stop keeping score with those that have hurt us. And then he wants us to step into the miracle-working power of forgiveness. I said it early on, it is supernatural. Forgiveness is on a level that we can't even imagine because with forgiveness, God's kind of forgiveness, it can bring healing. It can bring restoration. It can bring all that needs to be brought into a situation. Amen? So let me ask you while you're still seated. Let me challenge you. How many will try to make a choice to forgive this year? This New Year's, we go into it. Determine in your heart right now, I'm going to make a choice. You know, even pastors have people that we need to forgive. Even pastors get stubborn sometimes and think, well, you owe me. Actually, in the biggest picture, they don't owe me a thing. I owe God everything. You owe God everything. We owe God everything that we have. And if you and I would determine in our hearts right now that I'm going to forgive no matter what they've done to me, no matter what they're going to do to me, I'm going to forgive the moment it happens. If we can forgive, then you'll have the best year that you've ever had. Amen? This year, 2020, will be the best year you've ever had. And I just believe that with all of my heart. But it all starts right here. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. I just want you to agree with this prayer. I'm excited about this new year. I'm excited about what God wants to do in every one of our lives. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would take this message and take it where my mere words can't go, deep into the hearts of everyone that's here to listen today. I pray that you would help us to discover the freedom that comes, that only comes from being a forgiver. Lord, I pray you'd break the chains of remembered hurts in our lives that have bound us to the past for far too long. Set us free from those old hurts and grudges that keep trying to pull us down into the mire. Father, as we enter into this new year, Lord, show us what we need to do and then give us the strength, give us the courage and the wisdom to do it. And let us, by your awesome grace, forget what is behind and press toward what is ahead in a way that would bring glory to your holy name today and forever in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to wish you all a wonderful and a happy new year. God bless you all.